Amen. Can we do uh, put our hands together and just give God a cheer this morning? Do a better job than that. Amen. Amen. How many just love the Lord for His glory and His power? Amen. And all that He has done in our lives. And it's so important that we understand that worship is so much more than singing. It's so much more than just a team doing something and, and playing instruments and entertaining. But it is us giving back to God what He has given us. Amen. And it is from our heart, and that's so important. Amen. How many believe that this morning? How many are just thankful for what God's doing in your life? And you can just raise your hand to heaven with confidence and saying, God's moving, He's working, amen, in my life. And I'm just so thankful for that. Amen. You may be seated. Amen this morning. Wow, good to see everybody here. How many are just thankful for the blood of Jesus? Amen. How many believe that the blood of Jesus serves as a defense in our lives? Amen. Come on. It is a mighty, mighty uh, weapon, but it also is a, a, a defense for us. And the blood of Jesus protects us and keeps us. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. And uh, seeing that you're here this morning, I know that God's working in your life and doing so many good things. Um, and uh, I, I just wanted to say before we share this morning, I, I, you know, you ever get to that point where you're at home or whatever and you're listening to worship? How many listen to worship on YouTube? You ever do that? Anybody? A couple people? Okay, if you're like me and you don't have the, you know, the subscription or whatever, and you have advertisements and stuff, how many are so into a song and then all of a sudden a commercial comes on? You know what I mean? Like, you know, hey, if you have acne, we got this cream. And then 30 minutes later, you go back to your worship. It's like, really? The spirit just left, like crushing my spirit, right? How many have ever just got, you know, come to church and you've had an argument on the way, you weren't listening to worship, you're all ready to praise the Lord, and wife's like, you know, you did take a long time in the shower today, that's kind of why we're late, right? How many have ever had those? And you're like, you're killing the spirit, right? And you're kind of like, whatever, and, and uh, then you get to church and, you know, someone's in your seat and then you try to worship and then someone with a huge family sits in front of you and you're like, you're killing the spirit already. How many have ever been there, right? So for those of you who felt like the Spirit has been killed in your morning, uh, amen, we want to pray and we want to just stir up the, amen, the gift of the Lord this morning. But we want the Word of God to do what He does best in our life, what the Word does best in our life, and that is encourage us and challenge us. How many have ever been there? Word of God just, I mean, it just encourages me so much, but it also challenges me. So we want to pray this morning because I really want the, the Word to challenge us as well as encourage us. Amen? Come on, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, to receive from your word, to get into your word, and your word to get into us. And I just thank you, Lord, that as we, Lord, read your word or talk about your word and your instructions and your principles are rehearsed in our ears, it brings life. There's something that happens in my heart. There's something that happens in my mind. It literally changes the way we think. And I, I Lord, I need that today. I, I want that in my life today. I pray that you would just speak through your word and bless your people here today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Um, this this uh, morning we did make an announcement that is uh, about a food drive that we're doing, a local food drive for a local ministry, but uh, it is um, National Hunger uh, Action Month, and um, so I just wanted to share some things, and then in a couple weeks, we're going to get ready to do our, uh, our Harvest Festival at the Outreach Center, so I'm excited about that, and uh, we're just going to be organizing that, and that's going to be really crazy. It's going to be good, and so we're excited about that. And uh, how the Lord's going to do it. And I just was talking to somebody, well, a couple people this week about um, just what the Lord's doing and just some ideas dropped in my heart. 
And uh, I really feel that God just wants um, not just our church, but um, uh, kind of our work as a body of Christ, as Christians in the city. I believe it, God wants to expand it. God wants to grow it. God wants us to join with other churches and, and just really um, love on our city and do some amazing things. And so I don't know about you, but I, I want to see people saved. I want to see people baptized outside in public. I want to see people filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to see lives changed. That's why we're here today. We're not just here to put on a show or make us feel comfortable and a religious duty that we can exercise. But how many know it's all about changing lives and seeing the gospel go forward in our nation, our city, and in our homes? In Proverbs chapter 14, I want to read something today. And it it is part of a series, but I just don't know how that's going to go. I know that sounds bad, but I just said, Lord, whatever, you know, however you want to move this month, just let me know. In Proverbs chapter 14, I'm going to read out of verses 20. 21, and then my uh, text today, or key verse, will be in verse 31. Proverbs 14, 20 says this, The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. Verse 31, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Amen. This morning, I just want to talk to you about reaching the poor, reaching the poor. And, um, you know, I don't know if I've, I've heard a sermon a long time about it and maybe a direct sermon about it. I think we just take for granted that that's what we're supposed to be doing. And, well, somebody's doing it somewhere, so it's getting done. And, and we give money towards those things. But um, I just want to bring some principles out in the Word today about how we can reach the poor more effectively and how Jesus has called us to reach the poor. How many believe that? I believe that God has called us to reach the poor. There is an overwhelming need, absolutely overwhelming need, um, in our really just everywhere. It's everywhere, all over the world, um, in poverty and uh, disease, but also you know just the poor. And there is a tremendous need in our um, nation even today. And many people think, well, you know, we have all these programs and we have all these things and there's so much money out there for people and yet poverty is on the rise. And so it continues to grow. And so um, one of the things that I realize is that not only is there a great need, but there's a tremendous uh, cycle that needs to be broken in people's lives of poverty. And if you've, if you've grown up poor, you Poor now, maybe you, you understand, you realize that there is this vicious cycle. Sometimes it uh, almost seems impossible to get out. How many know there's a cycle with poverty and there's, a, there's an entrapment with poverty and there's a, an oppression there, isn't there? And there's, a, there's an entrapment there. But how many know God has called us to minister to the poor? God has called us to minister to those in need and those in poverty especially. And so I believe there's instructions from the Lord in the, in the Scriptures, and I also believe that there's tremendous solutions in the Bible for poverty. Amen? Come on, for the poor. I believe that there's... And, but I also do believe, and, and if you talk to me any time, any length of time, you'll see that I also believe, I do believe and that we can help the hurting to the place where we hurt them. I believe that we can break the broken if we're not careful. I believe that there's toxic charity if we don't understand the principles of God, Right? Amen. And so I, I just want to bring some things out about God's Word about reaching the poor. And I'm going to try to hurry through this. And, and it just as I dig it, dug into this and we got into it, it's just like, Lord, there's so much through your Word. But like every pastor, I'm going to try to just um, be kind to your attention span and be aware of that and everything. But anyways, I believe that, you know, it starts with the, the fact that our generation really needs to see the love of God expressed in their world. 
and I really do believe that um, there needs to be a full expression. And how many believe that Jesus was the full expression of God's love? And I believe that there needs to be a full expression of God's love through the church. I believe that we should, as the church, look for ways and means. Lord, how can we be that expression? How can we express your love to the world? And, um, and how many believe that the cross is one of the greatest expressions? I mean, it's just amazing that what happens with the gospel when we present it uh, to people, that how much the love of God is so much there and so much shown to them. But I believe that one of the greatest expressions of God's love can be, and that is me- meeting physical needs, meeting the physical needs of others. And you see that over and over again, not as a suggestion, not as uh, something that's optional, not for an elite group of people that are in the church, but for every person that calls themselves a believer. Amen. Every child of God, amen, there is that um, really that need and that call to really meet the, 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 the poor. And so I want to just... Um, get into a couple things this morning. I want to talk really about God's solution for poverty. Um, a few weeks ago or, or earlier this year, we talked about um, uh, generosity. I don't know if you talk, remember that. We talked about the spirit of generosity. We spent a few weeks talking about what generosity looks like and what it means, and I brought the scripture out in Deuteronomy 15. I want to read that again. So if you'll turn or click into device, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 15. I want to read this one. I love this one. In verse 7, starting verse 7, um, it says... If anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites, in any of the towns of the land that your Lord God is giving you, do not be half-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Verse 10, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. Verse 11, there will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Verse 4 said this, there should be no poor among you because the way God's going to bless you, and I'm the Lord your God, your provider, the way I'm going to bless you, there should be no poor among you. That's what he says in verse 4. Because I'm giving you this land of possession, and you're going to have, but then he says in verse 11 that you're always going to have poor in the land. And how many know there's difference if there's poor, the, the poor that are in our land as opposed to uh, people that are around you? How many know you can meet the needs of those around you? There shouldn't be anybody in need around you is what he's saying because of the way the Lord is going to bless you. And so we see a couple things there in Deuteronomy that... Um, it was the blessing of the Lord that was the emphasis and that how God was going to bless you and, and how was going and we always like that, don't we? God's going to bless you so much. But then he says, you're going to take this blessing that I'm giving you and then you're going to open your hand and then you're going to meet somebody else's needs so that they can, amen, look to the Lord and they can have their needs met and then they can meet the needs of other people. So God's plan for his people is this, that he's going to bless us in such a way that we can bless other people so that they can bless themselves. How many believe that's God's plan? I also believe that God's plan for the poor is that, that, that they don't uh, remain in poverty or remain in oppression, but they look to the Lord as their provider, and so that when God blesses them, they can turn around and bless somebody else. How I many know that's God's plan for the poor? Yes, to have their needs met, but then they can turn around and meet the needs of others so that they can come to a place where they're meeting their own needs. Come on, somebody. That's biblical, and that they can turn around and meet the needs of others. How many know that's God's cycle, amen, of generosity? That's God's cycle of blessing. 
is God, blessing never stops at you. It was never meant to stop at you. Generosity was never meant to stop at you. God's graciousness and His grace and His love was never meant to stop at you. It was meant to go on to somebody else. I mean, that through you, 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 know, you can share the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the generosity of God. How many believe that? That you are that conduit. You, conduit. you are that a vessel that God can use. If you look up any stats, it's close to this, that there's uh, 2.6 billion people that live on less than $2 a day. Less, there's over 2.5 two billion people that still live on like $2 a day in the world today, right now. And then in the United States, there's over 37 million people that are in poverty, and that's like 11 or 12% of us. And um, so that's one in six children are in poverty right now, growing up in poverty. And so there is a tremendous need. But the Bible addresses these things and really gives us clear instruction. And I love that about the, bo- uh, the Bible and the Word of God. You know, one of the things the Bible talks about when it talks about poverty is that you can become poor or impoverished both spiritually and physically. Is that right? Now, you, 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 both, it's both spiritually and physically. Many people read Isaiah 61 when Jesus said, I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. They said, well, that's, that's spiritual poverty. Well, we see something different in Jesus' life. We see that he both preached to both spiritually and physically. He met the needs. Is that right? And so and we see this that... Um, you know, poverty happens whether it's physical or spiritual by choices that we make or attitudes that we have, by others putting it on you, by the system or circumstances. Uh, many people are born into poverty. Many people fall into poverty. Many people are driven into poverty. So whatever reason is, is both physically and spiritually, how many know Jesus wants to set people free from the oppression of poverty? Amen. And so I believe that. And, uh, you know, there's also that when we talk about poverty, you also have to address that there is a mindset. There is a perspective that comes with poverty. There is a, a, a lifestyle, and I would even go so far to say that there's even a spirit of poverty that people live in, that live under. Come on, they live under that oppressive spirit of poverty. I believe that. It doesn't mean that everybody's demon-possessed, but there is a spirit sometimes. How many believe that? There's an attitude and a mindset and a perspective. And how many believe that the gospel sets us free? Amen? That the ways of God and the principles of God help us live free. Amen? So that we can not just be blessed by God or other people, but we can bless other people. Amen? And see, and, that, and really is that our vision and our heart for the, the outreach center and then eventually for our job and life skills program so that we can actually see the vicious cycle broken in people's lives, the generational curse broken in people's lives. Come on, when it comes to work and, and finances and marriage and, and all those things, how many know God wants to see the vicious cycle of sin broken in people's lives? Amen. And so we can do that through the gospel. You know, the Bible also speaks of poverty as something to be avoided. It's not something that, we, you know, it's not embraced like, hey, you know, go out and, and do that, you know. It's, it's kind, of, uh, kind of the perspective is it's something to be avoided. And it's also, uh, if you look at and read the, the, the Proverbs that Solomon wrote to his son, it talks about that poverty is like a consequence of laziness and pride. Did you know that, that poverty is a consequence of disobeying God? Did you know that? Amen? People say, well, why am I going through this? Why am I you know, facing this? Well, sometimes it's because you're in disobedience to God. Amen? I'm not talking about disobeying the church. I'm talking about disobeying God. Amen? Come on. 
Amen. And so sometimes that's what the Bible makes it clear. That's how the Bible teaches us about poverty. But I believe that Jesus gave us clear examples and, and instructions uh, about how to reach those that are poor, those that are in poverty, both spiritually and physically. I do believe that. And so um, I see that clearly in the Bible. And I also take that responsibility. How many have ever read the Scriptures and you just read the Scriptures and you say, me too? <laughs> How many of you, you know, that way that we're, that's the way we're supposed to read the Bible. Did you know that? It's not just a great historical document, prophetic document, but it's actually a love letter to us, like an instruction to us from God. How many read it like that? You read the Bible like God's speaking me, to me today through this word. I, I believe that's the way we need to do it. And so God speaks through us, uh, through his word to us about the poor and reaching the poor. We are not to ignore the, uh, the poor. We are not to take anything away from them. We are not to oppress the, those that are in need. We are to try to meet the needs of those around us. Amen. And so I, I believe that not only are we to meet their needs, but we do not spoil those in need around us. What do I mean by that? That means that we just give them anything that they want or anything that anybody wants. And, and how many know we're not to give people what they don't need? <laughs> Amen? That's toxic charity. Don't ruin people. Don't break the broken. Don't, don't hurt. Amen? Through your helping. Amen? And, and so I believe that what happens is so many times we give to people a need and we just keep feeding that need and they remain in that need and that's not the giving that the Bible talks about that people remain in their need how many know you remain in your need you're just gonna grow in greed amen so I had to get a rhyme in today amen but really if you look at it biblical principles uh, about caring for the poor and you read it all through this is I'm just gonna give you kind of a generalization generalization of the, the principles of the Bible, the biblical principles of caring for the poor are both by relationship and practices. You can write that down, relationship and practice. And so we're going to talk about that. But I believe that there's a few hang-ups that we have with this. I believe that as we talk about this, there's just a few things that we, we have a little bit of a hang-up with and we have a little struggle with about this because we think that reaching the poor uh, sometimes is not viewed as a spiritual work. It's not viewed as being very spiritual. That that's something for the local soup kitchen, or that's for other organizations, and that's for other what we call secular organizations. But how many know it's for the church first to move in first? The church is the leader in caring for the poor. Come on, that's what the Bible teaches us: is that we don't just say, "Hey, it's not a spiritual work." Oh man, we know that. I'm not. Of course, we know that prayer is absolutely spiritual. Worship is absolutely spiritual. And all these things that we do and we see in the Bible are very spiritual. But how many know giving to the poor, reaching the poor, is absolutely on the list of spiritual things? Amen? And that's how God moves through you. That's how God reaches people in the Spirit through your natural works. That's a lot of times God does that. Amen? And I believe that when we practice being... Uh, the, some of our hang-ups when we practice being so separate from the world all the time or this separation from the world we actually get isolated from the world and that can lead to this really this uh this this disdain for people in need and absolutely we get to the place where we don't when you're not meeting people's needs and you're not um you know knowing people's needs and you're not really trying to reach the poor a lot of times you just kind of get to this default mode of well they need to get a job they need to get off their blessed assurance and they need to get a job they need to stop begging and they need to get a job how many know that's not the spirit of jesus 
Now, that may be true for some people. How many know? So, so a lot of us know people that we could say that to and they need to hear it today, right? But that's not true for everyone. And so sometimes we, we go there. That's a hang-up that we have. And, and, and we just come up with these things. And I, I believe that there's a kind of a drift for believers to, to move in a false religious attitude towards the poor. I believe that some people view these works as, as it's not good enough, it's not spiritual enough, or, or feeding the poor and reaching the lost is really below me. I can't do that because I'm seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm on my way to church. I mean, oh, that, that's not a good attitude to have. Amen? Right? And so for some people, they kind of look at the church uh, services and the Sunday morning service as the ultimate high spiritual experience. Right? They do. They really do. Not faith in love in action on a daily basis. How many know that's a spiritual experience that we need to be walking in as well? And so I believe that many people think preaching the gospel to the poor is just simply telling them to get a job. But that's not reaching the lost, is it? Reaching the poor, is it? Right? So let me just give you three things about ministry to the poor. Number one, I believe there's the instructions from the Lord that we need to pay attention to. Number two, the work of love in our lives. And then the ministry of the gospel. And when we look at the instructions from the Lord, let me just take a few moments and go through a lot of scriptures here because I just want to really bring out some scriptures from the Word and not just you know, say it from my head, but I want to just really reveal some things uh, about reaching the poor from the Word of God. You know, one of the things the Bible makes clear is that God hears the poor. He, he, he can feed them. He can satisfy them. He can rescue and defend and raise them up, the Bible says. And He, he secures justice for the poor and those that fear Him, the Bible says. And, but those who neglect the poor, the Bible does say that they are condemned. One of the things that you see in the Old Testament right off the bat is when the Lord began to establish His law and began to establish the decrees and the ways uh, for the children of Israel to walk in. And of course you see it before, but especially here we see in Leviticus that the the Lord um, was very uh, detailed about how they should care for the poor. It said that when you uh, go to harvest your, your crops and when you go to uh, pick your fields for harvest, he said, don't go over it twice. In other words, how many know you ever see a farmer get corn and there's all kinds of corn stalks left over? He said, don't go back and get those things and don't pick up grapes that fell on the ground. Just leave them for the poor. That's what he said. So they were commanded to do that. And even every seven years, you were to, to uh, uh, kind of... Uh, uh, give that, take the uh, pressure off the poor and give to them and to meet their needs and to bring into the storehouse uh, collectively so that people can make distribution so that everybody's needs were met. In Leviticus chapter 25, uh, the Lord said, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner or a stranger so they can continue to live among you. There was a plan that God had. How many believe that? God's plan for that. And then of course, we see in Isaiah 58 that God has to deal with the, the children of Israel or His people about having the right motives even for fasting, right? Right? So even having the right motives for fasting, so what God called them to. And He said, this is the fast that I wanted you to do, but you didn't do, and that is to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, um, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor, wander with shelter. And he said, when you see the naked, to clothe them. And he said, um, then he said this, then you will have breakthroughs, you'll have healings, you'll have God's glory, God's presence, and you'll have your prayers answered. 
pretty amazing, isn't it? And it's pretty amazing, isn't it? And if you really look and you see uh, the account of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? One of the things that the Lord said that one of the reasons that he brought judgment is, and Ezekiel recorded this, is that they neglected the poor. Did you realize that? Well, we know the big reason, right? We all know the big reason why God judged Sodom and Gomorrah. We know one of the reasons, right? The biggest one we always think about. But did you know that one of the other reasons was because they neglected the poor? They cast out the stranger. They took advantage of those in need. And Proverbs 21, 13 says, Whoever stops his ears to the cry of the poor, God also will not listen to his cry. That's pretty important, isn't it? Isaiah, in Isaiah's gospel, it says a message to God's people. He said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you about integral living. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead for the case of the widow. That's what God said to his people through Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said this, that if you told the, told the young man that wanted to uh, follow him and be saved, he said, if you're going to be perfect, go and sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. That's pretty important, isn't it? James uh, records that it's so important as the gospel says that, talks about our religion, our gospel. He said, he said, therefore to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, that's sin. That's pretty important, isn't it? That's sin. In Proverbs 3, in verse 27, it says, Do not withhold good from those whom it is due. When it is your, in your power to act, do not say to your neighbor, Come back tomorrow, I'll give you uh, this and that, and I'll meet your need, when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbor who, tr- who lives with you in trust. Amen. Who lives in your neighborhood, one translation says, and trust you. In Deuteronomy, it says this, and this is so important. I want you to get this today. God's blessing, right, and His curse was based on how the poor people responded when they were assisted. Now, this is very important. And it says this in verse uh, 13, I believe it is. If the poor bless us for the way that they are treated, then God will bless us. If the poor curse us for the way they are treated, God will hold us responsible. I like what one guy said. He said, if you want to know who the Christians are, ask the poor. So in other words, if you treat them bad and they say that you treat them bad, God's, you're going to be held responsible. If you treat them well and they say that you treat them well, then God will bless you. That's, that's pretty significant, isn't it? Here's a candy bar, happy Easter, you know, whatever. I mean, no, no, no. However you treat them and however they say that you treat them, God's going to either bless you or you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> I mean, think about it. That's pretty important, isn't it? Amen. And some of the promises that God has written in His Word. In Psalms 41, it says, Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and preserves them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He does not give them over to the desires of their foes. Those who really bless other people, the weak. Proverbs 19, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Wow. Lends to the Lord, and then the Lord will reward him for what he has done. You're actually lending to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? So when I give to the poor, when I do things and meet other people's needs, I'm lending to God so that in turn God will meet my needs. God's going to bless me for that. How many want a reward from the Lord? Amen. Some of us are looking for a free handout and free stuff, and maybe the government will do this and everything, but I don't know about you, but I'd rather be rewarded by the Lord than anybody here, amen, than, than earthly things, amen, and, and that's, that's so important, isn't it? In Proverbs it says, do not exploit the poor, 
because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court. For the Lord will take up their case and will exact a lie or life for a life. So in other words, you're in big trouble. Right? So don't exploit the poor. And then in Proverbs 28, it says, Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. And so we see the instruction from the Lord, but we also see that it's a work of love. It's not just a work of love, it's a work of forgiveness, and it's also a work of faith. Did you know that giving to the poor is a work of forgiveness? Did you know that? Amen? Let me explain. But anyways, as a work of love, the Bible is very clear, and I think every one of us know what is the second commandment that God gives us as a human race. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? How many? I love the first one. The first one. How many are still working on the first one? Love God with everything, right? You're still working on that one. But he says, listen, this, there's another one here. This is what the Ten Commandments are broken down to. One through four is about loving God with all your heart. Five through ten is about loving other people better than you love yourself. Amen? And so he says we need to love our neighbor. And so you see that's a command. It's not a suggestion. And so because it's a, a command, it can't come out of feeling. It has to come out of obedience. Amen? So if God gave me a command to love my neighbor, that it's a decision. It's, it's something I choose to do because I love the Lord and I love other people. It's, it's this, this action. It demands action. A command from God demands a response. Did you know that? I mean, you know, when God commands people to do something, it's usually a good idea to kind of do it soon, right? As quick as you can, right? And that's just God because He is God, because He's God. And so I want to encourage you to love other people better than you love yourselves. And I just want to say this, that nowhere in Scripture does it say that poverty is desirable, Nowhere. And nowhere in Scripture does it say that material possession is wrong. Is that right? Does it say that it doesn't say that material possession and riches are wrong or evil, right? Just like it doesn't say that poverty is, is something we should live for and we should welcome and that we should want. It's something that we should get away from and get out of. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And so I love this about when we talk about on Mother's Day, we talk about the virtuous woman. But did you know that the Bible says this about the virtuous woman, about her love for other people, that she opens her arms to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. That's a virtuous woman. That's because she does it out of love for other people. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us uh, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. Verse 10, I love this one. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are household of faith. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. So as we have that opportunity. And so it's a work of love. It, when we give to those in need, when we reach out to the poor, it is a work of love. And it should be done in love. Amen. I don't know about you, but, you know, we've done some things before, and I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to pass out this food. I'm just going to hand out this. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. And at first, it was just like, okay, you know, I'll just do this. I'll just hand it out and everything. But by the time it's over, that event or whatever it was, man, I'm just, there's so much love in my heart for people. Like, there's compassion there, right? How I many you know I need to work on having compassion before I do the event? instead of after the event, but nevertheless, hey, it's there, right? And so something happens when we begin to just step out in faith and meet people. It's a work of love. Did you know it's also a work of forgiveness? Did you know that reaching the poor is a work of forgiveness? Why? Because it's giving to people who don't deserve it necessarily, who can't pay it back, and will never remember who you are. I mean, you know, that's a work of forgiveness. 
Lord, that's your business. That's okay. If they never thank me, if I never, they know, never know who it was, if, if, they don't, if I don't think they deserve it, if I think they're driving a fancy car, uh, uh, yeah, come on, you know, I don't think they deserve it. I, don't, I think they should get a job. I think they're well able-bodied to do that. How many know sometimes it's a work of forgiveness just to give to people or to meet their need? Amen. And so to, to uh, reach out to the poor. And it's a work of faith. And this is huge. In James, it says, what, what does it profit, my brother? And if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute for daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? He's asking that question. What does it profit you and, and them? And so faith by itself is good, but if it does not have works, it's dead. So I, I want to encourage you today that we have this instruction from the Lord, that we have this work of love to do, amen, to reach those that are poor, those who, um, that really, what we, the world would consider that are living in poverty and those who are poor. But again, you know, it, it's something that's not just physical, it's also spiritual. I mean, there's a lot of people that are poor spiritually. They're just poor. They just, they're just really poor. And so the Bible says that Jesus came for that, and he came to do that. And this really, um, this last point of the ministry of the gospel, amen, I want you just to stand on your feet today, if you could. So we see the, really the ministry to the poor is that instruction from the Lord. I don't think we can get away from that. Amen? It, it's the work of love and the work of forgiveness and work of faith that we need to move in all the time, the Bible says. But it is the ministry of the gospel, right? It is the ministry of the gospel. This is so important. This is what has just been really on my heart in the last few years, and especially since we're over at the OC and what God wants to do with our church. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, of course, Jesus stands up synagogue. They asked him to read a portion of Scripture. He just happens to be, be given Isaiah 61, but we recorded this in Luke chapter 14, or 4, verse 18. And we all know it so well, so many of us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That's one sentence. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And again, it could be spiritual and physical. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. To preach deliverance to the captives, recovering the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised or oppressed, those that are living in oppression, is what he's saying. And then in verse 43, he ends by saying this, this is why I came. This is why I came. Right here. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, we see there was such great generosity and distribution. There was such um, an incredible amount of needs being met both spiritually and physically. You said, well, maybe that's, that's because, you know, they didn't have government programs and they didn't have welfare and they didn't do this and, they did, and the people just need to go downtown and they just need, no, no, this was the spirit that was in the church. This is the spirit of the Lord moving on believers who, who initially maybe didn't have that, that desire to help other people or didn't have the finances, the funds to do it or didn't have even the legal right to do it because if you were a Jew, you had no legal right 
to touch or go near a Samaritan or a leper or this or that. You had no legal right. But how many know Jesus broke down every wall, a partition between them and us, and he's saying now you need to distribute, amen, and help everyone, amen, and you need to meet everybody's need. And so I believe that. And so I believe in the ministry of the gospel. I believe that it's through the gospel that God wants to move through the church, the preaching of the gospel. It really is. And many people say, well, that sounds, you know, okay, clichéic, but it also sounds very simple. And I think we're already doing that. Really? Really? I don't know about that. I don't know about that because honestly, I feel that when we see what's happening in the book of Acts and we see it happening in our day, then we can honestly say, we're going to see the results. I believe it. And I can honestly say, hey, this is what God wants us to do as the church. Amen? But you know, as I read that, the first time I read that, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. One of the first times I remembered that, the Holy Spirit spoke and He said, how many messages do you have to the poor? How many sermons do you have to the poor? How many scriptures do we know that uh, to the poor? Uh, you know, I don't know about you, but this hard, I'm hard-pressed to find a scripture that says get a job. <laughs> how, many, how many sermons and, and lessons do we have? And, and for me, as a pastor, I mean, how many sermons do I have? You know, I mean, it was up to just 15 years ago, I realized I don't really even have a sermon to sinners. All my sermons are to Christians. All my sermons are about sinners. All my, all my sermons are to Christians to challenge them to, to, to reach the lost, but I don't have a scripture, or I mean a message, or a sermon that's directly to sinners. And so when you stand behind, uh, up in front, you know, in front of 350 uh, junior high students in another country, you realize real quick, I need a sermon to sinners, <laughs> right? I'm so, you know, these polished Easter sermons to Christians, but I was like, I don't have any. And I, and I realized that what do I say to the poor? What would I, what, how do I reach them? Well, I know I can go to the blue box and drop stuff off. I know I can donate. I know I can uh, give. I can drop off cans. I know I can do that. I can work in soup kitchens. I can, I can help you know, local charities and local organizations and ministries. I can, I can certainly do that. But how am I really reaching the poor to the place where they're changing? To the place that they're meeting Jesus. To the place that they're seeing the love of God. Amen. That the place that I actually am building relationships with people that I know who has a need. I know poor people. See, the, the, the deal with, with uh, people that live in poverty and those that are poor, one of the challenges is they don't have any rich friends. <laughs> but you know the thing about rich people, they hardly have any poor friends either, right? And yet Jesus said this. At the very beginning in, in, in Deuteronomy, it said, you'll always have the poor among you. And Jesus said it. You'll always have the poor among you. And we're like, well... We just can't, you know, there's never going to be a solution for, uh, you know, for poverty alleviation. I mean, we're just never going to see it done. It's always going to be poor. People are always going to be begging. How about this? How about we read it this way? That the poor should always be among you. The poor should always be among you. You should always be among them. (laughs) There should be this this realm of love and this working in the church that through the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're so concerned about their soul the eternal condition of their soul that we know their needs. We know their physical needs. We're going out so much and we're connecting with people so much and we're sharing the love of God so much and we're so burdened for those who knew Jesus so much that we're actually, we know who's poor in our community. We know them personally. We know where they stay. We know where they live. We know where they're temporarily staying. We absolutely know the poor. Amen? I told you the Word of God is challenging. It just challenges me. 
like crazy. But my motivation is meeting the needs of people and preaching the gospel. That should be my motivation. It's not to feel good about myself. When I drop stuff off at a blue box or a, 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 one of those boxes, I don't, you know, that's, that's not it. That's really not it. It's part of it. I'm, I'm, I'm helping at some point, right? I'm helping my community and everything. But what, what would happen if I actually knew somebody that needed those clothes? What, what if what happened and I knew a family that had just had a fire in their home, and I knew them personally, and I knew that situation, I could go and I could provide for them. I think that's different, isn't it? Amen. And so I think that's where the Lord wants to bring us as Christians, that we absolutely are moved with compassion like Jesus in the sense that no, we're just going to go throw money at people and give to the, and just expect everybody else to do it, but we're going to go with the ministry of the gospel that our intention is not just to... To, to meet their immediate needs, but to see them healed and delivered and set free so that, number one, they can be saved. Number two, they can meet their own need and eventually meet the needs of other people. Amen? How many believe that the gospel is the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the return of Jesus Christ? That's kind of, if you define the gospel, that's kind of what it is. But I just had this in my heart this week, and I want to share this in closing, is that the only way that we're going to have decency, common courtesy, honor, respect, and even church attendance is through the gospel. Amen? The only way that we're going to have equality, harmony, community, truth, justice, global peace, and even village is through the gospel. The only way that we're going to uh, have incredible miracles, large public meetings, all-night prayer meetings, college campus revival is through the gospel. The only way that we'll have complete families, strong marriages, present dads, honorable moms, happy children is through the gospel. Amen? The way we're going to have the presence of God, the anointing of Jesus, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the glory of God, the fear of God is through the gospel. Because it's not in good meetings, it's not in mega churches, it's not in signs and wonders, it's not in prophetic conferences, it's not in church programs, legislation in our government, it's not in cultural morality, it is in the gospel, through the gospel. It's one of the areas that we're the weakest in as the church, the one that we focus the less on, the one that we don't like to talk about, the one that's always in the background of every event, and the one that we assume that it's happening all over, but it's really not. It's what we have to get back to, what we have to concentrate in, what we have to live in. It's what we have to maintain, and we have to fight to maintain that. It's the gospel. Amen. And we have to be gospel-focused and gospel-centered and gospel-fueled in our churches, in our lives, in our families. See, because the gospel of Jesus is the gospel is simply this. It's the existence of God. It's the deity of Jesus and the validity of the church. That's what the gospel is. That's why we need the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'm going to tell you something right now. More than anything else, my wife will tell you, I just, I don't even know how to put it in English. I don't even know how to put it in words. And that is what I'm feeling. The stirring the Lord is, is directing us to as the church as a whole, but also as, as this body of believers in Williamsport, River Valley Church, is that, is that we're coming back to a place of being gospel-centered. Not church-centered, but gospel-centered. Come on, not meeting-centered, but gospel-centered. Not, not, not just, a, you know, kind of, no, gospel-centered. And I feel, I feel like the Lord has just so challenged me when we bought the center. Like, do you understand that I'm going to change who you are so that you can effectively minister here? You, do you realize that I'm opening this door and you're going to have to change the way you preach, the way you do a lot of things, the way that you think about a lot of things so that you can absolutely do what I'm doing in the earth today? 
And I really felt like just getting the OC and the outreach center was something that God was doing on a global scale. You, you think, well, that's nothing new. It's an outreach center. It's evangelism. I'm talking about changing our perspective as the church. We're not looking forward to Sunday morning. We were looking forward to evangelistic meetings and outreach. We're looking forward to healing crusades and, and all these meetings. Come on, this, this is what it's about. And, and you know, some, some of us are so kind of there where we're so comfortable in the church and it was going so well in the church and then COVID hit and this and that and things are happening in our culture. I don't know about you, but there's one thing that our culture needs and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to go first. That's what I want to stand on first. That's where I want to go as a church body, that we are so gospel-centered and so gospel-focused that we can reach the poor effectively. Amen? And so I want to challenge you to get a message, to get a sermon, to get a lesson to the poor. Talk to people. Build relationships. Go. Just go. You know, I love, I love the simplicity of Jesus. He looked at the disciples and he said, this world is huge, but I just want you to go. <laughs> and they're like, okay, we got that, but how about another 10 years of lessons? No, he said, just go. And then he said this in Matthew 10, as you go, as you go, I'm going to do miracles. I'm going to protect you. Amen. You're going to be persecuted, but I'm going to save you from that. I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to bring thousands in as you go. Oh, we want to stay in the synagogue. We love it in the synagogue. We just want to stay there every Saturday, meet, have lunch, and we want to do all those things. And Jesus said, get out and just go. Where should we go? What do I speak? How do I do it? Just go. Well, I'm a Jew. Should I go to the Jews? I'm Samaritan. Should I go? No, he said, just go. And I believe the Lord is saying that to us as the church like never before. Just go. Amen? And so I don't know about you, but my heart is stirred to, to reach the poor. My heart is stirred to, um, and not in the sense that we, we're going to fix you. <laughs> we're here to fix you. No, we're here to be Jesus. We're here to do what Jesus would do. We're here to show the love of God. We're here to present the gospel the right way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I, I, I just, uh, again, Lord, I, when I read your word, you know that, Lord. I, I, just, I just am so moved. And so today I pray that you would move us by your spirit through your word, that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. Lord, and I pray that you would be in our church, for River Valley Church, that you would speak to us like you spoke to Peter on the boat. When Peter said, you know, we've tried this, and we, we did that, and we, we fished all night. We did, and what did you do? Lord, you gave him a strategy that he didn't do before. He said, cast it on the right side of the ship, and you'll catch many fish. And Lord, we believe it's harvest time. We believe it's time for a mighty and gathering of souls. Lord, this is the worst, probably, probably the worst time in our culture for a long time, but this can also be the best time in the kingdom. Lord, we pray that, Lord, you just give us soul-winning wisdom, give us strategy, give us the heart of compassion as we go and as we see people in the light that you see them in, Lord, lost and desperate and, and, and just looking for a Savior, longing for love. Lord, we pray that you would just help us as the church move and be the church. Lord, in everything that you said that we can be and everything you said we can do, we want to do it this week. We want to start this week. We want to have a heart of compassion so that we can effectively reach the poor. We just thank you for it, Lord. We pray that you give us those uh, resources to do what you called us to do. Lord, as we're paying bills and we're taking care of our family and we're doing what we got to do to get by, we pray that you would add a little something extra so that we can meet someone else's need. We just give you all the praise and all the glory for what you're doing and what you're about to do through your church. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. Can we just say, Lord, thank you for the challenge. Amen. If you have a, a need today, uh, we want to pray for you right up here up front. And uh, we have a team coming. But if you're new with us, we have a gift for you in the back and a cup of coffee. Our host team will be by.